I'm excited. Anybody excited today? Oh, that sounded like half the room. I said, is anybody excited today on this beautiful summer day at four o'clock? We might have service outside one of these Sundays. Come on, somebody. And um, I'm really excited. Uh, today's what's traditionally known uh, throughout church history as Pentecost Sunday. And what that means is, is that we're going to lose our minds today. Isn't that right? Is it? No? Okay. No. And what that means is it's the promise of the Holy Spirit that after the resurrection, that the Holy Spirit came and within 40 days time frame. And what I love about that as we celebrate that today is that when Jesus said, that the Holy Spirit come. He said, the Holy Spirit is going to come. And here's what the Holy Spirit is going to do. It's going to remind you of me. So one of, the, one of the greatest attributes of the Holy Spirit is that it is constantly revealing Jesus in your life. And so that's really what we're going to talk about today. Because to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be filled with the Spirit of Jesus. Come on, somebody. And so uh, I want to jump into John chapter 1. If you have your Bible, you can tune into or turn to John chapter 1. I also want to take a time to welcome our online audience once again. I mean, we have so many. Do you know that last week alone, while Pastor Ruben was preaching here, we had a total of, within the two YouTube channels that we have at the church, we had a total of 75 people watching from start to finish. Come on, somebody. Isn't that amazing? They kept saying, like, who are those two good-looking guys that come every single week? And I was like, it's either me, Ruben, or Anthony. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. They said, I said, Javi. Javier Suluani. Yo, I could leave too, bro. <laughs> um, but we want to welcome our online audience. There are people that are, are tuning in from all over the world that are calling Christ Uncensored their home. I literally got a message this week and they said, Pastor, I can't physically make it to church. His name is Anthony, the, the young man that hit me up. And he said, I physically can't make it to church. But your church has become, my church has become my home because of this online ministry that you have. So I tune in at four o'clock Eastern time every single Sunday. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Come on, let's give God a praise one more time in this room. Okay, so John chapter, it says 32 minutes. I know I don't have 32 minutes. I'm going to try to preach in 32 minutes, but at least I need at least 15 minutes for the Holy Spirit to move, all right? 40, oh, 40. Listen, if it's the Holy Spirit that moves here today, it'll be a 30-minute message. If it's not the Holy Spirit that moves today, it'll be two hours. But one of them is going to happen today. John chapter 1, and I'm going to read, I'm going to read from John chapter 1, verse 1 and 5, and, and that's what, I just want to read that for a moment, and then I want to jump into uh, verse 14, and that's really where I want to hone in today and talk about. Uh, let's begin reading. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him, this is such an amazing verse, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And that light shines in 
darkness and darkness has not overcome it. That's a really good preaching moment that I don't want to preach because this is more of a preaching. I want to teach today. I don't know how I'm going to do that because I was raised Pentecostal and I'm Hispanic, so I don't know how I'm going to make that happen, but I'm going to try my very best. It says that light shines in the darkness and darkness has not overcome it. Here's the truth about darkness. It is impossible for darkness to overcome light. So you don't need to be scared of darkness because it is impossible for darkness to overcome light. The only time darkness wins is when you turn the lights off. And so the only thing you need to do to overcome darkness is turn on the life that dwells in you, which was the life to the world and the light to the world, which is Jesus. Come on, somebody. Verse 14. The word became. So this word that was God, that was with God, this word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his, we have seen the glory, watch this, of the son and of the one and only son who came from the father. Now look what he was full of, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and he cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And out of his fullness, aren't you grateful that we serve a God that is not bankrupt, but that is full? Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Another translation says grace upon grace. In verse 17, this is the last one, it says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came. So the law was given, but grace and, and truth came through the one Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. I'm going to make up a word today. Okay? This is the word that I'm going to make up today. And it's the title to today's message. Grace truth. Look at the person next to you, tell them grace truth. We're gonna have t-shirts that say grace truth. Come on, somebody. Grace truth. So help me pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we get to celebrate that 2,000 years ago, we commemorate on Pentecost Sunday, the celebration of your Holy Spirit that fills us with the power that raised you from the grave. So I pray, Lord, that this Holy Spirit speaks to your people. Lord, I cannot speak a lick to anybody, Lord. Speak to your children, Lord Jesus. Speak to us. That even as I'm up here, Lord God, that you speak to me. Speak to me, Lord Jesus. Can I pause this prayer real quick? I'm gonna, hold on a second. This is the first time I preach a message that I don't feel like I'm fully prepared for. In 20 years, is the first time I preach a message that I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, that's enough. I've done my due diligence, but I don't know where this message is going. It's the first time that happens to me. So hopefully it's good. Okay, Lord Jesus, speak. Because their faces are petrified right now. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen and amen. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus one more time. Um, uh, how many of us, we would agree that there are just some things in life that they go hand in hand? How many know what I'm talking about? Like there are some things that are just intertwined and interlaced and connected and related with one another to the degree that it's very difficult to disassociate them from each other. They just go hand in hand. And you know this, I know this, our minds know this. I think that we could prove this right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask for some class participation. Do we got any amazing students in the house? I'm gonna ask for some class participation. And so I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say a, a word and, and just to prove this to you that, that there are some things that they just, they're just so related with one another that they go hand in hand. Here, here's a good one. Here we go, ready? Peanut butter and? Come on somebody, we got a good church in the house. Macaroni and? Y'all know we in the good place today. I'm making y'all hungry. How about let's see, let's see if this can continue. Uh, uh, pencil and paper. Come on, somebody. I ain't playing, I'm, I'm having fun and games. We doing all right? We doing all right? Let me, let me see my, let me, let me see the Hispanics in the house. Arroz con? Oh my goodness, we got a confused mix in the house. But there are just, how about this? Rest and re. Relaxation. That's a good one right there. But there's some things right there just so intertwined and interlaced with one another that you can't really distinguish them from each other because of how connected they are and how associated they are with each other. But there are, there are also some things that when they are joined together, now they are addressed and treated as one unit. Uh, I'll give you an example. Like if you have coffee bean grinds and you connect that and unite that with hot water, you don't have coffee, bean, grinds, and hot water. You had the greatest substance in the universe, some coffee. Come on, somebody. Can we give it up for some coffee in the house? Right? And so, so there's some things that are just so associated with one another. And that's why the reason I'm using this metaphor of what goes hand in hand it's because I think that it goes hand in hand with today's message. Oh, yes. Yeah, I missed that. That was good. I worked out on all, all week. It goes hand in hand with today's. Anyway, Ruben got that in the back. They're going to get that on the way home. All right. Uh, but, but even greater than something that goes hand in hand is actually something, two things or two seemingly things that are united together and then they are identified and treated as one. Now, I share that because there is a term that we read, we read today in John chapter 5, and it's this term grace and truth. And so often the church has read and understood it as two separate things when it was always meant to be understood as one. So here's what the author and the communicator of John chapter 1, he's saying that grace and truth have been so connected and associated with one another that they have been fused into one and they have been embodied and personified by the person Jesus. So when you study this text, if you read it, it's as, it, you can't read it as two separate things because when you read it as two separate things, then you'll never understood it, you'll never understand it in the way that it was always meant to be understood. What the author is looking to communicate is that grace and truth are indispensable from each other. That the way God sees grace and the way God sees truth is that they are indivisible from one another, inseparable from one another, and when you meet grace, you've also met truth. 
And when you met grace, when you met truth, you've also met grace. So it's supposed to be understood like this. Grace truth. Someone shout grace truth. Grace. See, what happens is that so often we don't have this understanding of grace truth. So what we begin to do is that we begin to do what humans do best. We create division when there's supposed to be amalgamation. Like, you know what I'm talking about. This is what human, like, this is like almost like the human instinct. It's like we're united until we're united for the sake of division. And then we create division within our unity. What, what do you mean? I, I, I'll, I'll give you exactly, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'll tell you right now. Everybody is from New York that's from New York. And when we represent New York, we represent it well until you're a baseball fan. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? Right? Like I remember one time somebody told me, what team do you like? I said, I like the Mets and the Yankees. And they were like, you devil-worshipping pastor. <laughs> it is impossible for you to like the Mets. See, see, we're united, but then we're divided. Like, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, we all Latinos. Like, a lot of people, most of the church, maybe about 80% of this church is Latinos. And everybody's like, oh, we Latinos! Unless you confuse a Puerto Rican with a Dominican. <laughs> like, we Latino rap! Unless you say, oh, you Dominican? I ain't Dominican. Nah, I'm Boricua, I'm Puerto Rican. Maylene is Dominican and Puerto Rican. And the moral of the story that I'm trying to tell you is that we need to be more like Maylene. But this is that, like, this is, this is what we do. And so even within the body of Christ, what we've done is that what was meant to be understood as one, we have created division. And we do this so famously. We create different, watch this. We take God's concepts and we turn them into different camps. We take biblical concepts and we turn them into Christian camps. And what happens is, is that the word, the world is in need of grace truth. But when we divide it, we actually extract the power that the world needs. So this is what we do. This, uh, this is what we do. It's like, we got truth and we got grace and here's what we think that the bible says that jesus came filled with 50 percent truth and 50 percent grace not realizing what the bible is trying to communicate is that grace and truth are never meant to be separate from each other okay so so again i want to teach here for a second so 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 typically what the what humanity does is that instead of embracing the contents of Christ's character, we take the concepts of the Bible and create camps. And so typically what we do is that we then create caricatures. We create caricatures of truth and a caricature of grace. And if you understand what a caricature is, you just, you, you understand that caricature is never really the real thing. It's a distorted image of the real thing that exaggerates. Mm. 
that exaggerates certain features. So the caricature of truth looks like, you know, a tyrant truth. And what the world has experienced is the caricature of truth, but not the contents that reside in the character of Jesus. So the character, you know, you know, you know, truth, yeah, yeah, met truth. And for whatever reason, truth, you know, it always looks like it's suited up to the gills. You have to speak the truth. Like, like, that's what truth looks like. It's like, yeah, 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 we have to speak the truth. We have to speak the truth. I will not hide the truth from anyone. I will speak the truth. And pastor, I know that you like that grace stuff, but you need to speak the truth. Because grace is all cute and everything. But what I'm about is about telling people the truth. I don't care if I offend them. I don't care if I hurt them. I will hurt them on the way to heaven because I refuse for them to go to hell. And I'm going to speak the... It's a caricature. I speak the truth. And the truth will set you free. You know why people are not free? Because they're not hearing the truth. They are just hearing some greasy grace. You got to tell them about their sin. You got to call sin out. Call sin, sin. Pastors, you don't call sin, sin. You got to speak the truth. You got to tell people that if they don't repent from their sins, then they're going to burn in everlasting punishment in hell. You got to tell people that living with each other without being married is a sin. You got to tell people the truth. What happens is, is that they just have encountered your truth, but not grace truth. And, and, then, and then this is what people encounter. This is what people's perception is of grace, of truth. And then oftentimes, this is what people's perception is of grace. It's, 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 it's the surfer with blonde hair and six packs. This is what people think grace is. Hey, yo. <laughs> yo, you, <laughs> you know, God loved me. In fact, he loved the world. Yeah, he loved a word. I know, Pastor, we talking about getting your word, but you know, I got the spirit. <laughs> Who needs the word when you got the spirit? <laughs> and the spirit be talking to me all the time. He'd be like, Ro, you amazing. I know you was, you know, I know you was doing, I know, you know, Saturday night, I went out, you know, I did my thing, but you know, there's grace for that. I'm going to go to church on Sunday. I'm going to go and hop and jump and I'm going to sing, yo, God love me. That's what I'm going to do. Grace. You know what I'm saying? God loved me and he always tells me, I'm amazing. 
So people, watch this. So what happens is that when the camps divide, truth, you create a distorted version of truth to counter your distorted, your distorted perception of grace. What happens is that because we have a distorted perception of grace, then there's the camp that has that distorted perception of grace. So they create a distorted perception of truth and a caricature of truth to counter their own distorted perception of grace. And what grace does is that they look at that truth and they say, I don't want anything to do with that truth. And so what you do is that you embrace a distorted perception of grace. All the while that what the world needs the most is the glory of God. And the Bible says that the glory came and dwelled among us full of grace truth. So if people, watch this, if people are not getting the glory of God in their world, could it be that we have completely diluted the potency of what Jesus Christ brought on earth full of grace truth? So the church then jumps into distorted perceptions of grace and truth. But here's what you need to know, that you cannot find truth outside of the grace of God, and you cannot find God's grace outside of God's truth. I'll say it this way. Can I, can I just explain it this way? Do you want to know what truth is? Truth is the good news of God's grace, and grace is the truth that sets you free. Can I say it again? You want to know what truth is? I'm not talking about your truth. I'm not talking about what you learn. I'm talking about the truth. The truth is the personification of Jesus. That he takes truth and he takes grace. And what truth is, it's the good news of God's grace. And what grace is, that truth that will set you free. So, so, so watch this. So watch this. So John says, we have seen his glory. We have seen the glory of the one and only son who came from the father and he was, he was full of grace and truth. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth, it came in the person of Jesus. It was amalgamated within the context of who or the content of who Jesus is. Here's what's happening. People can't see the glory from caricatures. They can only see the glory when the content of his character is being revealed. So truth is not a doctrine or a set of laws. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace and truth is not a set of rules or permission to do whatever you want. It's not a teaching. Oh no, my friends. Grace, truth is a person who loves you, who died for you, and desires to live within you. And if you believe that in this place, come on, give God a shout of praise in this room. It's, it's grace, truth. Jesus was full of grace, truth. It wasn't 50% grace and 50% truth and the truth was there just to balance out the grace. It was something that was never meant to be distinguished from one another. It is something that was always meant to be understood as one unit. That's the way God sees grace. When you, when you understand it from the original language, what the communicator is saying is that these things are to be, are to be treated as one unit. So Jesus was full of grace truth. 
And I love this picture that John is correctly painting. Notice that the book of John does not start with Jesus' genealogy on earth. He starts with Jesus' divinity from heaven. Because he wanted to let you know that there's, there's, this, there's, this, there's this thing that the world needs. It's grace truth. And the only, one, the only way that it's going to be received if it's personified in the person of Jesus. Isn't it interesting that he says that he was full? He was full. He was full of grace. Is anybody grateful that their Savior, that their Lord is, is not running on a budget? That their Lord and Savior is not running bankrupt? That their Lord and Savior is, 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 is operating from a place of fullness? And here's what it says. And from his fullness, he gave. He wasn't running out. He, wasn't, he didn't have to be tentative. He didn't have to be uh, budgeting his grace and truth. No, no. He was full of it. And, and from his fullness, he gave. Can it be that Jesus was filled with the, the thing that the world needed the most? Listen to me. Can it be that what Jesus was filled with, it's like he could have been filled with anything else. This is in the beginning he was the word. But he could have said in the beginning he was grace. And he was filled with the word. It could have said so many things. It could have said he was filled with the word. And he was grace. And so he gave the word. No, but it says he was the word. And he was filled with truth grace. And from that truth grace, you received. And it doesn't say from his lack. It says from his fullness, you received. Can I tell you when God gives you, he doesn't just give you sparingly. He gives you generously. And so if you ever wondered that if God can't take care of you in any way, shape or form. I need you to know something about your God, that your God is a generous God. I just want to hit the pause button for someone here today, that God is a generous God. And when he gives, he doesn't give from his riches. He gives according to his riches, according to his riches, according to his riches. In other words, that God doesn't give you $10 from his million dollar bank account. No, he gives you according to his million dollar bank account. And he was full of grace and he was full of truth. And look what it says in verse 17. It says, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, this is, this is, this is, um, this is when we, we can nerd out here. And this is the part I, I actually enjoyed the most in this message all our bible project scholars by the way we had our community group on thursday and we started with the bible project community group people in the house come on but what's so profound about this text is that this verse john chapter 1 verse 17 is is it's actually a hyperlink to one of the most famous verses in the Old Testament. Now, do you know what the most famous verse in church is? Come on, somebody say it. Online, write it down. What's the most famous verse in all of the church? It's John 3, 16. What is it? For God, make me proud. Come on, guys, make me proud. For God so loved the world that he gave it his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16. The reason I know that is because I'm a pastor. Praise God. 
That's the most famous passage in church. But the John 3.16 of the Old Testament was Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. So there, John 3.16 was Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. Now, this is really important because when you look at this text, uh, John chapter 1, it says, it says he was full of grace and truth. Now, those that were reading this, those that John was writing to and they were reading this, they would have already downloaded Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. In other words, when you, when you are watching a show, you, you don't start at, chap, at, at, uh, at episode 5. How many know that you need to have downloaded episode 1, 2, 3, and 4 for you to understand what's happening in episode 5? Amen? So this is what's happening. When you read John chapter 1, we read it. We have the revelation of Jesus. Praise God for that. But those that John was writing to, when they're reading it, they are seeing the hyperlink between John chapter 1 and Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. Now, Exodus chapter 34, and I know some of you are astounded right now. You're like, Pastor Rose preaching from the Old Testament. New Year's resolution. Come on, somebody. 2022. Let's go. Um. But in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, this is one of those moments that God is revealing. This is the first time that God reveals his character. What are we talking about? We're talking about the character of Jesus, grace and truth. One of the first times that the Old Testament, or God, uh, announces his character was to Moses. And in that, what he says to Moses, this is how he reveals himself to Moses. And by the way, this is God speaking about himself. It's like... Sometimes we're like, you want to know what God's like? Well, God speaks about himself. He, he tells you what he's like. He says, you don't have to create a caricature of who I am. If you want to know what God's like, look no further than Jesus. But this is what Jesus is. It's the personification of God's character. It's the person of God's character. And so what God does is that he reveals his character to Moses. And look what he says about himself. He says, and the Lord passed before him and he proclaimed the Lord the Lord God is merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth. Hey, God, what are you like? Yeah, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and in truth. Now, here's how many times you see that in the Old Testament. You see that in the Old Testament over two dozen times. Some people believe it's over oh, about 27 times that you will see this term God referring to himself or a mediator that is referring or appealing to God based upon his character. And they say, hey, God, you know that you're merciful. You know that you're all loving. You know that you are long suffering. You know that you're abounding in goodness, in goodness and in truth. You'll see that also in in uh, the book of Deuteronomy. When Moses again. Moses, uh, Deuteronomy, and also in Numbers, Numbers chapter 14, that's when, that's when Moses is appealing to God. He's like, God, you, you can't kill them. Don't do it, God. Like, God, I know now, by the way, this is the, about the seventh time that the people of Israel have rebelled. About the seventh time that the people of Israel have rebelled and turned away from God and had won nothing to do with God. And this now, Moses now is appealing to God's character and he's saying, hey, God, you know that you are long-suffering. You know that you are abounding in truth and grace. You know that you're merciful. You know that you're gracious. You see it again through, through the, um, the prophets. In Joel, you'll see it in Joel chapter 2. What does he say? He says, return to your God because he is merciful, 
gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness, and in truth. You see it again all over in Jonah. When Jonah gets mad at God because he is gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness, and in truth. You see it again and again all over the Old Testament Bible. It'll say that God is merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abounding in truth. You see it in Naum, in the book of Naum. He's, he's, he's talking to the people and he's saying, hey, return to your God who is merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and in truth. Now, that, that appears 27 times in the Old Testament. And it only appears once in the New Testament. The only, the most famous, the John 3.16 of the Old Testament appears only once in the New Testament. And it's found in John chapter 1, verse 17, when it says that Jesus Christ was full of these characters summed up in one. It's grace truth. He, he is full of grace and he's full of truth. Now watch this. This verse appears 27 times, and every time, almost every time that it appears, it's people returning to God for forgiveness through a mediator. And the mediator is going to God to plead with him based on his character. And in the New Testament, you only find it once. But in John chapter 1, here's what's happening. In the Old Testament, this verse is God's people going to him for forgiveness. But in the New Testament, it's, God go it's God's people going to him. For his, for his character. But when it's quoted in John chapter 1, it's forgiveness coming to you. It's not an appeal for you to come to him. It's an invitation that he's already come to you. It says, hey, I, I need you to know something. That grace and truth, it makes its way to you. That under the old covenant and under your old way, you had to make yourself, you had to make your way. You had to find your way to forgiveness. But under the new covenant, I need you to know something about grace and truth. That grace and truth doesn't just set standards. That grace and truth is not just lazy. That grace and truth actually embodied by Jesus come to you to make a way for you to have freedom and for you to have forgiveness. If you believe that in this place, give God a praise. So, so to miss out on the depths of grace and truth, I really believe we're missing out on the depths of human existence. And so, it is no wonder why we have truth and grace. And even within the body of Christ, what do we have? We have the truth speakers. And we have... The grace giver. I think if Jesus was here today, he's like, those two things were never meant to be separated. Because you cannot have grace without truth and you cannot have truth without grace. How is it that you can stand on, a, on your self-righteous podium declaring, declaring truth when I became the personification of truth? See, it's so easy for us to get on our pedestals and declare truth. Watch this, because here's what happened. When you're not embracing grace truth and you're embracing a caricature, all you're doing is, listen to me clearly, all you're doing is, in a, is embracing a truth that agrees with you. Mm -hmm. so, so you embrace a truth that agrees with you, 
and you look down on others that don't agree with you. But it's just a caricature that you've embraced. And so we stand up on our self-righteous podiums. Here's what we, do. we all do it. We all do it. And we look down on other people for their version of truth. And because, watch, and, 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 and here's the thing about grace truth and your truth. That, that your truth allows you to stand up on a self-righteous podium and look down on those that don't agree with you. But when you understand, see, you look down on their weaknesses and you embrace your truth. And you look at their truth as weakness and you have no compassion you have no humility, and you stand on, well, I'm here to speak the truth. See, grace truth doesn't do that. It can't do that. Because the one that declares grace truth has embraced the person of grace truth. And by, by embracing the person of grace truth, it's saying, hey, I know you got struggles, but so do I. Yeah, I know you got weaknesses, and, I, and I'm here. I could help you in your weaknesses, but I got them too. And I'm not going to hear, I'm not going to stand here promoting my strengths while I put down, put you down because of your weaknesses. See, grace truth is a truth that is personified by the person that's communicated because they understand when they were weak, Christ was strong in them. As Javi comes up, second best looking guy in town. Forget about in the church, in town. Let's give it up for Javi. Let's give it up for amazing. Amazing sound. I love the way I sound right now in the speakers. And um, so, how did grace truth live with people when it came to earth? And I, and I found a, a perfect example of grace truth interact with people. And it's found in John chapter 4. Just a few chapters down, it says, Grace and truth came through the person of Jesus. And and that person dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. And of that, we received also, we received what the world needed the most, grace truth. It doesn't need this, this, this caricature of grace. By the way, this is, not, this is not grace. I love when people like, you know, like, when people tell me, because I get this all the time, Pastor, you just preach that people can live the way they want. I've never stood on this pulpit and said people can live any way they want. Never. But that's the distorted perception of grace. I often tell people, no, I want the same thing you want. I just don't use the means that you use to get them. Because your means, your means are powered by men. I truly believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the Spirit of Jesus. And so my job is to share the love of God until his truth sets you free. What do we do? We're just, we're just trying to counter. We're just trying to counter this caricature. 
And his character is trying to counter that one. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, you can't throw, like, it, it's oftentimes it's like we're quote, quoting the concepts of the Bible without the character of the word. The word that became flesh. Do you see grace and truth right there? The divinity became humanity. That's grace truth. That's grace truth. Now, here's, here's where I stopped preparing, so I don't know where it's going to go from here. In John chapter 4, Jesus encounters, oh, Jesus is, is, is headed, he's on the road, and he tells his disciples, hey, I got to go somewhere. He's like, hey, where are you going, Jesus? Oh, I'm going, to, I'm going to Samaria. You're going where? Yeah, I'm going to Samaria. We're going where? We are Jews. We don't go to Samaria. No, no, you don't, you don't understand. I, I'm grace truth. I got to go somewhere because here's, here's what happens. That Samaritan woman would have never made it to Jesus. Because even under the old covenant, she would have never been able to make it to Jesus. Because she was disqualified from going to the temple. But what do you do when the temple comes to you? Hey, hey, is there anybody glad here? That when you, and that's why I love when people say, I'm gonna, I gotta go to Jesus. I found, you didn't find God, God found you. I'm grateful that God goes to my Samarias. I'm grateful that God goes to my addiction. I'm grateful that God goes to my inadequacies. I'm so grateful that God comes to the place where nobody looks, where, so, where people have turned their back, where people have avoided. I'm glad that we serve a God that says, hey, listen, when you can't make it to grace and when you can't make it to truth, grace, truth comes and joins you where you are. If you are grateful that you serve a God that will go to the highways and the byways and the dark places and the alleys and the addiction and the fornication and the sin. If you are grateful, give God a It's grace truth. It's grace truth. Okay, okay, okay. Sit down, sit down, sit down. He's in a, he has an encounter with a woman. I got to read this in three minutes. <sighs> Maylene, they said, take my time. <laughs> a woman of Samaria came to get water. And Jesus told her, give me a drink. His followers had gone to the town of, to buy food. The woman of Samaria said to him, you are a Jew. I am, I am Samaria. Why do you ask me for a drink when the Jews have nothing to do with the people of Samaria? Jesus said to her, you do not know what God has to give. You do not know who said that to you. Give me to drink. If you knew, you would have asked him. He would have given you living water. This woman was thirsty. Sir, the well is deep. You have nothing to get water with. Where will you get the living water? Are you greater than our early father, Jacob? He came to us with this well who gave us the well he and his children and the cattle drank from it Jesus said to her whoever drinks from this water will be thirsty again why is this world so thirsty because they encounter a caricature of truth and a character of grace but they have not encountered grace truth whoever drinks of this water will give him will give him will never be thirsty the water that I give will become in him a well of life that lasts forever. 
The woman said, sir, give me this water so I will never be thirsty. Then I will not have to come all the way to this well. Watch, watch this. She thought what he was offering was a solution to her regular day problem. But the beautiful thing about Jesus is that when you encounter him, you may go, you may go to him with your everyday problem, but he actually goes much more deeper with grace truth. But you'll never be able to do that with truth because your truth keeps people in prison while grace truth sets people free. Give me this water. Look what Jesus says. I think that this is when Jesus is going to be like, here you go. It, doesn't that make sense? You got her where you wanted her. Okay, give me this water. So I won't have to come to this well anymore. Give it to me. He's like, I'm thinking he's going to go, Toma. No, he goes, yeah, get your husband. Go get your husband, please. She's like, uh, I have no husband. And here's where the Titan truths, you know, this is where, oh, look what Jesus tells her. You have no husband. But you have had five, and the one that you are with right now is not even yours. That's what it looks like. Watch this. He says, hey, you have no husband. You've had five of them, and the one that you have right now is not yours. But look what he says to her right before he says that statement. He says, you have spoken the... Do you know what he told her right before that? He said, the Father is seeking those that will worship him in spirit and in... I wonder if what Jesus was actually doing was pulling the truth out of her so that he can show her that she's really a worshiper and not a well grab of water. He says, hey, the Father's looking for people who are honestly themselves. You know, who, you know what psychology says? That the hardest person to be truthful with is yourself. That's why it's so easy to be truthful with other people or tell people the truth. When you're not at the, you're not at the well with Jesus. You're not at the well with Jesus speaking the truth to yourself. See, because when you have grace truth, you look at yourself first because you're looking at self with the eyes of Jesus so that you can in turn look at the world with the same eyes that God has allowed you to look at yourself with. There's so many people that I can condemn. So many people. If I got on a self-righteous podium, you know, you know what it is to scroll for five minutes on TikTok? to hear condemnation and condemnation and condemnation and condemnation and they're reading the scriptures totally incorrect and I want to you fool I'm letting you in a little bit that's why I said I don't know where this is going <laughs> worship team you should start coming up here Pastor doesn't prepare. He starts talking about TikTok. Come on, <laughs> But I know that I'm not going to counter them 
I can't counter them with their truth and create a debate. Because I'm not here to win debates, I'm here to win people. And too many of our truth speakers are only winning debates, but they're losing people. winning our debates but we're losing people but grace truth creates the way you know what grace is grace is a way it's the bridge that allows truth to come in and too many people want to hammer people with the truth instead of creating a bridge to escort the truth with grace so 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 what does this world need it needs grace truth that's what it needs. It doesn't need your truth. And it doesn't need a caricature of grace. It doesn't need speakers that'll tell people but never spend enough time to train people. It's grace truth. And here's the thing about grace truth is that grace truth takes time. It takes time. And so trust me, there are a lot of results that I want to see in people, but I'm not just hammering them by the head or with a hammer by the head to get them. Y'all remember the analogy with, with, with Emily before Matrix? Wanted to drag her. Like just go to the finish line already. But what am I do doing? I'm imposing my truth when God has a process for her. So what is my job? Grace truth. Grace truth, what does your family need? It doesn't need your truth. It needs grace truth. What, what does the person in your neighborhood need? They don't need your opinions. They need grace truth. You know what they need? They don't need your secondary education. What they need is grace truth. They don't need what, you, what you've been taught being raised. It, they need grace truth. And the primary way, the primary way that that is spoken is through the way I live. That people could look at your life and see the message that you're sharing without ever feeling condemned. Because this is who Jesus was. He was in front of the most filthiest sinners and they felt comfortable around being Jesus. Sinners felt so comfortable being around Jesus that a prostitute came and poured perfume on Jesus. Thank God he wasn't married. Because if someone who seemingly resembled a woman came and poured offering on my feet of oil let's just close right here I give you my worship can we get upon our feet what is grace truth that my life tells you my life tells you that God knows all who you are and then loves you just the way you are and is willing to transform you in who he's called you to be but watch this watch this even when you don't he'll keep coming grace truth keeps coming see what truth does truth tells you like it is oh you don't want to listen i'm out what grace does it says hey do whatever you want or greasy grace not grace greasy grace a caricature of grace but what grace truth says, I'm not going to give up on you. 
I know God has the best in store with you. I know that your life, the way the decisions that you're making don't add up to what God wants for your life. But the truth is that God loves you the way you are and let that sink in. That's what grace truth is. That's what grace truth is. I'm okay with taking my time because God took his time with me. Can we give God a praise in this place? Someone shout grace truth. Grace truth. Shout grace truth. 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 Now give God a shout of praise in this place. say hey listen I'm sorry I'm sorry if you've had to encounter tyrant truth and greasy grace but I want to introduce you to the personification of what this world needs it's grace truth and if you're tuning in online I want to let you know that grace will keep showing up grace truth will keep showing up in your life to transform your life it will not give up on you but that, if that's you in this room or tuning in online and you say hey I want to encounter this grace truth I want to encounter the character of Jesus. I want to encounter what Jesus was full in. And that's you in this place. I want you to raise your hand at the count of three. I want to pray for you. One, Jesus loves you. Two, today's your day. Three, lift up your hand all over this room and watching online. Be willing to say this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, thank you for your love. I give you my life. Thank you for your grace, truth. Set me free. I believe that you died for me and rose again on the third day. And from this day forth, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. And I give you my song and I give you my praise.